Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We're a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then the house becomes a home. So today we want to say, welcome home, as we jump into today's service. Good morning, good morning, King's House. How are you guys doing? Everyone doing good this morning? I'm so excited to get to speak to you guys again today. My name's Chris. I'm the kids pastor here. Welcome home to everybody who's here on this beautiful Sunday morning. And to everyone watching online, welcome home as well. We're going to jump right in. We are on part three of this New Year's series that Pastor Mark has been in called Real Relationship, The Road to Health. And this series partnered with our Wednesday nights and paired with our 21 days of fasting and praying. We're on week three, by the way. The light is at the end of the tunnel, guys. We're almost there. And also your personal times with God. All of this has been strategically put together to start this new year off right to simply get to know God better. And I hope you guys have been getting to know God in a more real, intimate way in this journey because Christianity is not a religion, right? It's a relationship. Someone say amen to that. Because it is. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And the Bible actually gives several different metaphors and illustrations of how we can actually have a real relationship with God and how we can relate to him. One of them, I think, is one of the most famous ones. It's found in 1 John chapter 3. The first part of verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called what? Children of God. We know the prodigal son story. We know several other stories in the Bible that help relate us to God as, his hev- as our Heavenly Father and us as His children. But one of my other favorite ones that isn't really talked about unless it's a marriage conference that we're going to be talking about this morning a little bit is that metaphor of us relating to God as a bride relates to her bridegroom. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, quoting Genesis chapter 2, says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Again, not marriage conference, because he writes in verse 32, This is a great mystery, and I take it to mean what? Christ and the church. Marriage on earth between a man and a woman is a great mystery because it conceals a great parable, a truth hidden within it, which is a resemblance and a reflection of God's marriage with his people. And a marriage is what? It's an unbreakable covenant. It's something that is sacred, and it builds a great bond between two people. And when Paul is saying that the two will become one flesh, he's not saying what we think about when we think of a man and a woman in a marriage. What he's referring to is that we are no longer separated by our races and our beliefs. We're no longer Jews over here, Greeks over here, Gentiles over here. He's saying, no, 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 we are all now one body, and we can have a real relationship with Christ. We can have a covenant with him. Everyone say amen to that. So this morning, keep in mind as we go through this, um, talking about a real relationship with Christ and what I have to share with you this morning, keep in mind that metaphor that we as God's people are in an unbreakable relationship with him. And Pastor Mark started this series two weeks ago. 
His first one was called Daily Bread, and he gave us a challenge to get to know Christ more, and that was to read the red. How many of you guys took upon the read the red challenge, which means you were reading the red letters in the New Testament? Honestly, what better way to get to know somebody than to actually read and study and hear their words, to know who they are, what they believe, what they stand for? That's why the challenge of Read the Red was there. So this is week three of our 21 days, so I hope you're continuing to read the red. Then last week, Pastor Mark talked about how we need to disconnect from certain things in order to reconnect with God. His message was all about refocusing our gaze and attention. And some of you guys have uh, stopped binging some Netflix episodes or Disney Plus episodes that came out. So you can take that time to read more of God's word or to spend more time in prayer. And if you were with us on Wednesday, we practiced the art of just waiting and being still and abiding in God's presence. And it's an amazing thing that we can do. But last week, Pastor Mark had different points in his message. And his third point perfectly leads into what I want to share with you today. His third point of last week's message was listening to the voice of God. And that is the title of my message this morning. If you're taking notes, listen. Simply listen. How can we develop a real relationship with God it's to listen. You know, back in the uh, golden days of radio before TV was even a thing, people would gather around in their living rooms and they would listen to radio shows and stations. Am I right? Don't raise your hand. Don't give away your age in here, okay? So they're sitting down and they're listening intently. So picture this, okay, the I Love Lucy type uh, set, black and white picture. The wife's in the kitchen preparing dinner. The husband's got a big old pipe and reading the newspaper with his legs propped up in the living room. And she's in the kitchen listening to her favorite big brass band um, on the radio. And all of a sudden, the radio program is interrupted with an important news broadcast. So she stops what she's doing and she turns up the volume a little bit. And she's like, honey, are you listening to this? And the news reporter goes on to say that there was a shooting in their area. And um, since it was close to them, she turned it up a little bit more and yelled, honey, are you listening to this? And the news reporter goes on to explain how many people were involved in the shooting and starting to describe what the perpetrators looked like. And again, not hearing a word from her husband, she turns it up louder saying, honey, are you listening to the news report? Which she finally got a response back saying, dadgummit woman, I'm trying to listen to it, but you won't shut up. It's okay to laugh at that. <laughs> to quote Dean Jackson about listening, he said, listening is an art. It requires attention over talent, spirit over ego, and others over yourself. Some of you ladies might be like, Pastor Chris, that's such a stereotypical women in the kitchen and men sitting down. Well, let's talk about stereotypical for a second because America's done a really great job of creating the stereotypical husband who is lazy. Think Homer Simpson, for example, okay? Guy goes to work, comes home, grabs a beer, sits down on the couch, watches his favorite TV show, completely disconnects from his family until it's time for bed. Does he deserve it? That's another question we can talk about later. But he does it over time to where it becomes a habit where he is slowly disconnecting from his wife and his children. So it's bedtime. She's on her side finishing a chapter in her book. He's on his side finishing a paragraph in his sports magazine. And then the lights go out. And he rolls over and gives the signal. You know what the signal is. And in her mind, she's thinking, you pompous pig, you've been home for seven hours. 
You haven't really talked to me. You haven't really talked to the kids. Your son wanted to play football with you, but you said, no, go outside and play. And you decided to watch football on the TV instead, which then caused a tussle between him and his sister. And somehow the dog got involved. And then my favorite vase broke, which, by the way, had your mother's ashes in it. And you didn't help me clean that up. You didn't help me help do the homework with the kids. And now that we're finally in bed, you finally want to strike up a conversation because you want something out of it. Everyone say, oh, snap. I think so many times, though, we do this in our relationship with God. Unintentionally, we go about our days. We're really busy. I get it. But we approach him when we want something. And so this morning, I want to talk to you guys about how we can pair our prayer life with the art of listening to God. It's not easy, but I promise you, when we start to exercise this in our personal lives, your relationship with Christ starts to become more and more real when you start to realize it's not one-sided. Because any relationship that's only one-sided where one person's doing all the talking and the other person can't get a word in edgewise is not a healthy relationship on any spectrum of any stretch of the imagination, am I right? So this morning we're going to work on this. And before we can dive into how we can listen to God, I want to make sure we all have a firm foundation of what prayer is because we're partnering our prayers with The art of listening. And if you're new to this thing of this relationship with Christ, then I think this will extremely bless your communication with him. Or if you've been in church all your life and and you know how to talk to God, I think sometimes our prayers get stale and maybe repetitive. I think this will also help you guys as well. What I tell the kids all the time in Kid Nation, which is the first through sixth grade down the hall, I always tell them this prayer is a open hotline to the God of the universe. 365 days, seven days a week. Like you can talk to him anytime, anywhere. You can talk to him as loud as you want to, or you can talk to him as quiet as you want to. You can talk to him at the library. You can talk to him at school. You can talk to him in the car. You can talk to him in the shower. He don't care. You can talk to him at anywhere, anytime. Prayer is an open hotline for you to connect to the God of the universe who loves you, who made you, and who wants to be your best friend. And I also tell them this, you know, bedtime prayers and mealtime prayers, those are all sweet and cute, but I think more often than not, our prayers kind of lean more heavy on the side of a detailed list of suggestions to a higher entity, hoping that he will magically provide for our wants and desires above our practical needs and reality. So this morning, I want to kind of break down the building blocks of what prayer is before we move on this morning. Um, Some people in the Bible actually asked Jesus this in the book of Luke. They said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, okay, when you pray, pray this. It's also reflected in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Most of us are familiar with it. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And all God's people say, amen. Listen, when Jesus said, pray this prayer, he didn't say pray specifically this prayer every time you talk to God. There are, fun, there are foundational building blocks in this prayer that God was explaining for us. You guys have heard this is called the Lord's Prayer. Some versions of the Bible actually call it the modeled prayer. And I like that title better because that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was modeling how we can talk to God and relate to God. So if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. I'm going to quickly run through this, but not as quick as I just did the Lord's Prayer because we've all heard that before. Um, But this is going to help revolutionize how you actually approach God in prayer. When God said, when Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, he was talking about when you open up your prayers, praise God first. Focus on him and who he is first. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, to pray God's desires above our own desires. Give us this day our daily bread. You're requesting what you need for the present moment. And I can't help but wonder if some of us legitimately would pray that, God, only provide for me what I have for today, what I need for today. How many of us would actually get ticked off at God if he actually did that prayer for us? Because we're so stingy, we want to know, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, what's going to happen the next day? Well, God, why aren't you providing for this ahead of time? Go back and listen to Pastor Mark's first um, sermon in this series called Daily Bread. It was incredible. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We can confess our sins and pray for others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's praying for guidance and help because let's face it, we cannot go through this life on our own. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus is saying simply give God the glory all over again. Open up with praising God. Be strategic in what you're asking and then close with praising God. Try that. I think it will really bless some of you guys in your prayer life. But the part I really want to focus on this morning is the part of the modeled prayer that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praying God's desires above your own desires. Did you know that Jesus being the son of God, fully God yet fully man, even wanted to pray his own desires on the night of his betrayal? Think back with me if you know the story. The Garden of the Gethsemane, he knows he's about to be betrayed. He knows he has to die a horrible death for the salvation of the world. And Jesus said, God, if there's a plan B, let's do that. Let's do a plan B. But then he caught himself and he said, but not my will be done, but your be done. How do you know how to pray what's on the heart of God? How do you know how to pray God's desires above your own desires? And above the stereotypical miscongeniality answer of, world peace. Of course. But how do you know how to pray what's on God's heart? I believe that one of the first steps in this is actually developing a listening form and developing the art of listening to God. Several years ago when I was a Bible college back at Christ for the Nations, my first year was incredible. I I grew in my relationship with God like never before. Like it was incredible. And I was just in awe of all the pastors and speakers and all these college professors that would come. And I was just enamored about how they had such great relationships with God. And they would challenge us, hey, if you want to develop a real relationship with God, you need to learn what the people in the Bible who had a real relationship with God, you need to know what they did. Focus on those people. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I have three points I want to give to you this morning of how you can develop this art of listening to God to know what his desires are above your own. The first one is this, waiting in silence. It's awkward. <laughs> waiting in silence is not easy for most people. It's hard. And if you're like me, it's just plain boring. It's so it's like, what is going on here? Listen, quick segue. Shout out to my beautiful wife who's watching online this morning. Uh, we just celebrated our 10 years wedding anniversary this past December. Yeah, thank you. She knows exactly what's coming now. And we, um, we were able to go out uh, back to our honeymoon location in Mexico just to get away. First time away from kids for eight days. It was awesome. We stayed up as late as we wanted to, which wasn't very late. We slept as much as we wanted to, which was awesome. No interruptions from kids. Ate whatever we wanted to, did whatever we wanted to. But I went in there with a little bit more of an intentional, we're not, we're not just going to just get away. 
let's get to know each other a little bit more. Because let's face it, when you raise kids, sometimes your focus go off of each other and more onto the kids. And so I said, listen, I brought some, uh, some marital stuff. Let, let's go over some marital exercises that I got. No, it's not those kind of marital exercises, okay? But one of the marital exercises was called soul gazing. And it was the first time we've ever tried this out of the 10 years being married. And we actually sat down in front of each other. We held hands. And in utter silence, we put a timer on the phone because it challenged us for three minutes just stare into each other's eyes and don't say a word. Have you guys met my wife, Melody Meek? She cannot go three seconds without saying a word, let alone three minutes. And I'm thinking, hey, we're in Mexico. We're child-free. There's no distractions. There's nothing going on. We're going to make this work. Oh, no. She kept talking to me about how beautiful my blue eyes were. She kept telling me how wonderful this is to get away from the kids. And she couldn't wait to go back to the beach later that day. I'm like, you're missing the point. We're supposed to wait in silence. Because when you wait in silence with the one that you love, you start to focus on them a little bit more intentionally. You start to study them. And I think when we can uh, wait in silence with God, we can start to study him a little bit more. The psalmist wrote, King David wrote in Psalm 37, verse 7, he said, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Waiting in silence is not easy, but when King David actually wrote this, he found assurance in God's character of who he is when he was bombarded with evil people on all sides and he encouraged himself by saying, just be still in God's presence and wait for him to act. One of the most powerful prayer meetings I personally have ever been part of was at my last church that I was at. And we got together and the pastors were there, the staff was there, and a few other people in the church were there because we just were going to get together and just have a quick prayer meeting. Like, hey, anybody got some prayer needs in the house? Great. Yeah, we'll pray for that. Great. We'll pray for that. And one of the needs that we knew that stood out above all the rest was this certain person in the church and this certain situation they were going through. And we all knew we're going to all focus on this one. So they said, okay, well, let's, let's just take some time and let's just pray together. And without announcing it, no one said anything for like five minutes, maybe longer. I don't know. I wasn't looking at my watch. But the next moment I know, I'm praying for this person, but I'm not praying for this person in the way I originally thought I was going to pray for this person. And then when I finished praying, I was like, well, that was weird. Well, then the next person that prayed, their prayer built on my prayer for that person. And then when they were done praying, the next person prayed another prayer, which built on that person's prayer. And by the time it was all over with, I looked at everybody and I'm like, isn't that funny? We, we noticed that we went in with an agenda to pray for this person, but to accomplish his purpose, God changed what we were going to pray for this person. And I think that's what's so critical about waiting in silence before the Lord. It's because you want to learn how to pray what's on his heart. Listen, because he wants to maybe change your perspective just a little bit. And I will never forget that that wouldn't have, not, that wouldn't have happened if we wouldn't have just first waited in silence before the Lord. The second thing that we can take and how we can develop this art of listening and pairing it with our prayer life is to develop a listening attitude. Asking for things in prayer is the easy part. Am I right? <laughs> but it's asking for things in prayer that are God's desires above our own desires. That's the tricky part. How do you do that? How, especially when you're praying for someone and their situation and you're not really familiar with that. How do you do that? By waiting and just coming in with a listening at attitude. Think, think with me really quick. The last time you intentionally listened to someone talking to you, hopefully it was your spouse, okay? Think back with me the last time someone spoke to you and they were sharing their heart with you. It could be a coworker, could be your daughter, maybe they got their heart broken for whatever reason. But think back, when was the last time they talked to you about something 
and it was on their heart, and you sat there and intentionally listened to them. You can probably picture where you were, right? You can probably picture what day it was. Your eyes were fixed on them. Your thoughts were thinking about their thoughts. You were relating with them. You, you were hanging on every word. That's the type of listening attitude I'm talking about that we need to take into our prayers when we approach God, that we are hanging on his every word. King David, who wrote that last psalm that I wrote, that I read, I didn't read it, I didn't wrote it. Anyway, King David had a son, King Solomon, and he asked God for wisdom beyond his years to lead God's people. And God was so impressed that that was his only request that he blessed him tremendously in all other areas. The Bible says there is never going to be another wise person like there was Solomon. So I love reading Solomon's words. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2, he says, Don't be quick with your mouth or say anything hastily before God, because he is in heaven, but you are on earth. So therefore, let your words be few. Instead of coming into God's presence and you're practicing the whole waiting in silence thing, but then you start blurting out your laundry list of to-dos that you want him to accomplish, instead of doing that, maybe we should take a moment and say, hey, God, I got some stuff I want to pray about today, but what's on your heart today? What, what do you want me to pray about today? God, I really want to pray for my friend Dylan, and, and, and I know he's going through a really tough time in this area, which my friend Dylan, who's over there, is not going through a tough time right now, but example. God, what, what do you want me to pray about Dylan today? Do you see where I'm going with this? To know what's on God's heart, you have to first take the time to listen to what's on God's heart and how he wants you to pray for someone else. And the third and final thing that we can take away from this is focusing on God. I know Pastor Mark talked last week about refocusing on God. But in Psalm 63, and this isn't on the screen or anything, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. Reverse back, you had King Solomon, which was King David's son. Reverse back time a little bit more. This is written before David even became king. He knew he was going to become king. But King Saul in this present time was actually chasing after David. David's life was in grave danger. Saul's ready to kill David. He's trying to. Multiple attempts. David's on the run for his life. He's hiding in caves and deserts, and the king probably has bounty hunters and all these other people at his beck and call trying to kill this guy named David. And David sits down and puts pen to paper and prays a prayer to God in Psalm 63. It's not very long. I encourage you to go home and read it today. But when you read Psalm 63, knowing that David is on the run for his life, David does not mention his current situation or his distress that he's in until the very end of the prayer, last two or three verses. Everything else before that, he is focused on God and how wonderful he is and how great he is. You're on the run for your life, David. How can you say God is wonderful and God is great? Because David knew what it meant to wait in God's presence. David knew what it meant to listen for God. And David knew what it meant to focus on God. I think one of the things that we can take away with today of how we can actually focus on God today in this new year is to go back and read what God has already done in history. Because let's, let's think about it really quick, King's House. We're reading a, a page and a chapter in the Bible about so-and-so going through such and such. And we're like, oh my gosh, something, this just seems bleak, this seems dark. Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? You turn the page and in less than five minutes, you can read the next chapter and see how God brought them out of that. And you're like, oh, that's awesome, that's great. Thank you, Lord. But what we fail to realize is that sometimes between the 
two chapters in between verses, there was a lot of time, a lot of waiting sometimes. It didn't just happen in the five minutes of you turning the quick page. Think back with me, one of my favorites, uh, Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Again, I'm just gonna summarize this for you. They're following after Jesus, they're proclaiming God's name and they get arrested and they're put in jail. And what do they do? They focus on God by praising God. They start singing to God. And their presence with God was so real and connected that the Bible says that the jails literally shook their chains and everybody else's chains fell off. People ran for freedom outside because of the earthquake that just happened, but Paul and Silas stayed put. You're all like, that was their chance. They could have left. Turn the page. The soldier comes in and he's freaking out. All of his prisoners are gone. And he knew that with them being gone, it was their life for his. And so instead of being publicly executed and ridiculed, he grabbed his sword and he's ready to kill himself. Paul and Silas step out of their cell and they say, don't do that. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. We're still here, we're still here. Turn the page. God used their present situation to lead that soldier to Christ. He gave his heart to Jesus. Then they went home to his home and they proclaimed God's goodness to his family and his family got saved. See, we're in a current situation right now, King's House. You're going through something right now and you don't know what's about to happen, but God's ready to turn the page in your life. So this is something I wanna challenge you with this week. As you continue on your 21 days of seeking God more and, you, and you're gonna start practicing this art of pairing your prayer life with listening, primarily with the focus of praying God's desires over our own. This is what I want you to practice. Maybe you already do this, but if not, I want, I want to challenge you to practice this. There's two parts to this challenge. The first part is I want you to put pen to paper and I want you to journal your prayers to God. That's, that's what all this is, by the way, in case you were wondering, what is all this stuff? These are my prayer journals from present day to when I was a teenager, probably 13 years old, okay? Don't judge me. Listen, I would journal my prayers to God all the time. No, dudes, this isn't a turn in your man card, dear diary kind of a thing, okay? I don't journal every day, sometimes. I don't journal every week. There's been times where I've gone a month or longer without journaling to God. But the reason why I want to encourage you to journal your prayers to God is because someone once encouraged me that when you're journaling down your prayers to God in His presence and you're waiting in silence, journal your prayers and then skip a few pages before you journal again. Skip a few pages, then journal again. Why? That's weird. It's because you're going through something right now and you're calling out to God for help, but you don't know when he's gonna turn that page in your life. You don't know when he's gonna answer that for you. I love what King Solomon said that we're on earth and God's in heaven, so let your words be few. Think, step back, big picture. Long before NASA, long before they knew that the earth was really small compared to the universe, God sees the whole picture and we're just on earth and we just see what's going on right here. So when you journal your prayers down, journal them down, skip a few pages, journal some more prayers down on another day or another week. But when God does answer that prayer for you and he comes through for you, go back to that journal and on those blank pages, write when and where God answered those prayers for you. Why? That's weird, Chris. Why are we doing that? It's because it is going to encourage your faith. It's easy to read in the Bible what other people experience, and it's easy to hear YouTube testimonials of what other people experience. But what about you? God is doing something incredible in your life right now, and he's ready to turn that page. But what you need to do is you need to write down when and where he answered that prayer. 
I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and actually reread some of my prayers to God, trying to make them out even with tear-stained ink smudges all over the place. And the things that my family and I have had to walk through and then to see how God brought us out of that, it's incredible. So this week, I wanna encourage you. The challenge is ink it, don't think it. Read the red, all that great stuff, but ink it, don't think it. And this is your second challenge. Before I actually tell you the second challenge, when you write down your prayers, you can see how God answered them. This is really cool. You guys are gonna get a kick out of this. My wife and I actually came here into the King's house Mother's Day weekend of 2015. That was our first Sunday to step in here and me guest speaking Kid Nation. And we're in transition of um, churches and we're just trying to figure out what's the best thing. My wife is extremely huge pregnant, about to give birth to our first child. And we're contemplating moving from a state to another state, away from family, away from friends, taking the first grandchild on both sides of the family, further away from family. Like this is, this is intense, okay? And I remember praying to God and writing down somewhere in one of those journals, God, Listen, I know looks to a church are not everything, but they sure do help attract people, okay? So I'm gonna just give you some of my desires, some of my heart desires. I want a church, I'm sick and tired of carpet when you walk into a foyer and it just looks like a funeral home. God, I want wood floors when I walk into my church's foyer. And God, I'm young, we're about to have a, a young family, so I know we're gonna be connecting with young families and coffee is great. I love coffee shops. I'd love to have a cafe in my next church, God, and I love warm coffee colors, so red walls would actually be really cool. Have y'all seen our Connection Cafe out there? God, if I'm gonna be the kids pastor at this next church, and if my kids are going to be raised in this church, because where we go, we are planting our roots. We are not moving until you say move. God, I'm sick and tired of the purple walls and the pink walls and the orange rooms and the yellow rooms. I want a kid's ministry that is so vibrant and so alive. I know looks aren't everything. It's what we preach. It's what we do, but it helps. Like I want my kids to want to be at church, God. And by the way, since I'm always in first through sixth grade, my favorite colors are red and black. So if you can somehow make that work, that would be great. Have you guys seen our kids' ministry rooms? They are vibrant and alive with amazing drawings and colors. And my favorite colors, red and black, are in the room I preach in every single Sunday morning. Listen, this comes from um, a scripture that I can't help but want to share with you this morning. And it's in Psalm 37, verse 4, that says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do not twist that scripture and say, wow, if PC prayed a detailed prayer like that and God answered his prayer for his church, well then God, I need a new car, God. Yeah, Jesus name, you know, 2020 was a sucky year. So 2021 sounds like a good number. It needs to be a 2021 year model, Jesus. And you know, I like Corvette, so let it be a Corvette. And hey, you know what? Red's my favorite color, so let it be red. Listen, that's not what it's talking about. You gotta read it. Delight yourself in the Lord then he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean, PC? How do you delight yourself in the Lord? When you delight yourself in the Lord, it's because you desire the thing that he desires above your own desires. And as you desire the thing that God desires above your own desires, and he wants to give you the desires of your heart. Do you see where this is going? A real relationship with the God of the universe. Second part of your challenge that I want you to do with your prayer journal this week is to sit in silence before you put pen to paper. Again, it's awkward. For some of you guys, you might have to practice this a little bit. 
do small increments, maybe 30 seconds and 60 seconds, but listen, don't just call it good after that because if you're like me, sometimes it takes up to five, maybe 10 minutes to sit in silence. And I'm not just talking about shutting off your cell phone, your TV, the kids, I'm talking about shutting this thing off right here because this is the loudest thing right here, the noisiest thing right here. You wanna sit in God's presence and all of a sudden you start thinking, oh God, I gotta do laundry today. I gotta do this today. I gotta do, no, 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 no. It's time to sit down and shut up, Chris. It's time to let God speak to you. It's a practice, guys. It's a practice. And what I want you to do this week, and, and again, this might seem really weird to some of you guys, but I want you to try it, okay? Not only journal down your prayers, skip a few pages, but when you journal this week, when I say ink it, don't think it, I mean, I want you to sit in God's presence and I want you to say, God, what do you want to talk to me about this morning? And then write those things down. It's not gonna be something weird that you see on sci-fi where Holy Spirit will possess your body and your eyes roll in the back of your head and you start writing in blood all over the walls. That's not what we're talking about, okay? We're not that kind of church. <laughs> How do you know that you're hearing God's voice, Chris? It's a really good question. It's funny how we're talking about how we're in an unbreakable marriage with God because what I wanna read to you actually happened on my one year wedding anniversary. So over nine years ago, I wanna be completely vulnerable and read you a quick journal of what this could look like for you, okay? But before I do, let me tell you what was going on in my life right now. Yes, we're celebrating our one year wedding anniversary, but ministry life is not going so great for the Meek family. We just graduated from our Bible college about almost a little over a year and we've been, I've been on staff as the kids pastor at this one church. And a few months prior to me journaling this, the lead pastor of that church passed away from a heart attack. The church was already old. So once he passed away, a lot of people started leaving. The only two people on staff at this church was the associate pastor, which was his son-in-law and myself. He was then thrust into this lead pastor position, which he later admitted to me, behind closed doors that he just did not feel ready for. Like this, this was a little too much. He had so much pressure from the family, from the church body. And through that pressure, he took everything on himself. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Again, we're the only two people on staff and I'm like, I'm here, what can I do? I know things are tough, but what can I do? And I felt inadequate. Even if this was unintentional to him, he made me feel stupid. And I made myself feel, feel stupid because I beat myself up more than anyone else. I'm my worst critic. And I can see where this ship is going and it's not going in a healthy place. This church needs help. And I'm sitting down one morning on my one year wedding anniversary and I'm just sitting in silence and I'm like, God, I know I need to pray about something. There's so much on my heart. There's so much going on, but I just don't know what to say. So I waited in silence and after a few minutes, some words just started coming to me and I just couldn't stop writing. And I was reading this a few days ago to get prepared to share it with you. And I got so teary eyed thinking about it and rereading it. So forgive me if I get choked up on this again, because God's words, when you really know God's words over your life, they never get old, they never change. My beloved son, oh, how I love you. My heart leaps for joy when I see you succeed and my heart weighs heavy when I see you fail. But my love never changes for you no matter how much you fail or how much you succeed. My love for you will always remain the same. I want you to stop being so hard on yourself when you do make a mistake. 
You have such a bad habit of beating yourself up when someone corrects you. I've watched you carry an unnecessary burden for days on end. I always have my arms outstretched and ready to receive you, but you are unable to see me because you focus so much on your mistakes. Son, I want you to know that when you call yourself names such as stupid and idiot and dumb, you are also calling me those names. Christopher, I made you, I created you, and you are none of those negative names. Instead, I call you blessed, loved, smart, talented, caring, and joyous. Let my joy be your strength. Let my joy be your joy. Cast your cares upon me and let me carry them for you. I care for you so much and I grieve when you are unhappily, especially when you're unhappy with yourself. So put a smile on your face and remember that I love you and that I say you're doing an awesome job with what you've been given at this church. Stick with it, press in, let me be your strength and guide and comforter and your peace, your love and your joy. You are mine and I am very proud of you and I'm proud to call you my son. Thanks God. So when you sit in silence this week to practice how you can hear God, focus on God. Let him speak to you and let him speak through you. Do you know that Jesus is up at God's right hand right now praying over you? He's praying over your situations. And it's incredible when you can just sit still and just say, hey, Jesus, I just wanna hear from you. And you can start writing those down. So that's your challenge this week, King's House, to dive more into this 21 days of 21, the art of partnering your prayers with listening to God's voice. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you of how wonderful and glorious you are. God, that you see the big picture when we only see just a little bit. And Lord, we want to continue to develop a real relationship with you, the God of the universe, who knows every number of hairs on our head, who knew us by name even before we were in our mother's womb. Father, we just say, God, throughout this week, I pray that you would reveal yourself to your people in a real and tangible way. God, remind them that they are in a holy marriage with you that is unbreakable. There's nothing that they can do that would make you love them any less. There's nothing they can do to make you love them any more. So in this great love, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to each and every one of them. Reveal your words over them just as you've revealed your words over me at quiet times, Lord. Help us to quiet our minds. Help us to listen to your voice above the noise. Help us to focus on you to develop a real relationship with you. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. King's House, thank you so much for being here. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night as we continue this last week of 21 days of 21. We'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving, or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and want to visit, we meet every week at 124 V. Huber Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat your parking spot, and even pre-checking your kids before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. 
Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all our latest messages. And we look forward to seeing you soon.